our North Star. He's our absolute. Our anchor is in Him. No matter what comes and what goes, and, and though the ship is rocking and such, but that anchor is holding to something this morning. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Nice spirit amongst the, everyone here. I know that some are missing, but we're not going to major on that because there's some that are here. And I, I saw some of the Callahan family. God bless you. Nice to see you all. Welcome. God bless you this morning. And then I look a little further, and I think that's Brother John and Sister Melody Stahl. God bless you. Nice to see you this morning. It's good of you to check up on Josh, because it was getting to be a lot on us already. So <laughs> anyway, nice to have you here. And then there's other visitors. We welcome you. Sure is good to be a Christian this morning. Why don't you, I say this often, but just wave at somebody, welcome them. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Uh, we also received a, a notice that there's a sister in the church that's got a birthday today. That's Sister Pramila. And so God bless you, Sister Pramila. You know, we, we identify the birthday, but we don't want to identify the age. We just want to say happy birthday. God bless you. We're all getting younger. You may have seen the notes on the screen prior to the service, but tax receipts uh, for those who gave donations and were being emailed to you. And if you've got the email already, that's fine. You should be getting it. And if you desire a printed copy, Brother Tim Nunweiler will be available to give you that. He's not here today, but in the next uh, services. And if your email hasn't been updated, please uh, give that to us and we'll update it. Um, on Friday, we had a youth meeting here. Brother Andrew preached, and God bless all of you, that, the young people that were there. After the service on, on Friday night, Saturday morning, Brother Max and Brother Tito and Brother Ethan, they headed off to Grand Prairie. So they were ministering last night and today. So we prayed for them. We pray that God bless their meetings. And then many that have gone to Saskatchewan for the meetings in Grunthal, some of the young people left on Saturday morning right after that. So God bless their meetings. And then there's one more set of meetings we want to pray for. That's ours right here today. <laughs> so we're, we're looking for God to do it. I, I wonder if we could sing that song you sang last uh, Sunday, God Still Moves. Do you know that, Brother Ray? You got that? You got a backup right behind sure. you here. He's my backup all the time too, just so you know. God still moves. God, God still moves in the heart of His people. God still moves. 
sing that again. Why don't Hallelujah. you lift her in this morning? Oh, God still <laughs> God still playing that softly and we bow our heads this morning heavenly father in the spirit of that song we believe that the one that made the heavens and the earth is still very much alive today very active and very much a part of our service this morning Father, we're here this morning not just to settle into a form and just to spend time, but we're here to have an experience with you this morning. Father, we're not just here to hear the words of a man, but Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit this morning. May it have freedom amongst us, Lord. May you have liberty amongst us, Lord. Father, as it's already been prayed, if there's anything we've said or done, Lord, look through the blood this morning. For, Lord, we want you to come and have free course. Lord, we yield our vessels. We open our hearts. And we're asking you, Father, to take this service. Take the vessel that's speaking. Take the vessels that are hearing. Take our, our flesh, the limitations of it. Hear through the natural man. Speak through the natural man. But, Lord, go beyond that. Go down into our spirits, into our very souls, Lord. Father, your word is still a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Father, we're here this morning, and we're asking you to come. We invite you, Lord. We want to welcome you. We want to welcome you by our participation, by our amens, by, by our, our, our interaction with you. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you now, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. God bless you. I'll invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. And uh, this is the gospel, uh, not the gospel of John, but it's the same writer. It's, it's John, but um, he, he is speaking in his latter life, and, and he's addressing this to the family of God, the little children, as he would call it. And, you know, he's speaking in, in more of a fatherly way to everyone. Now, he, if I, can, if I can just ask you while you're in First John, I'm going to read what he wrote in the Gospel of John. Maybe if I can get you to just jump back to that for a minute, Brother Dan. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, he would write, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he was one who had an insight, and he saw things that Matthew didn't see, that Luke didn't see, that Mark didn't see, but he goes into a level that is greater than that. And that's the same kind of a level that the Lord has taken us in this day. 
So he would also write, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And he would begin to talk about the life, and he would distinguish it as light and darkness. But as he would go down to verse 14, he'd say, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I, I'm using that as a backdrop because now he's in latter part of his life. He's, he's addressing the church. And, and if you can imagine what they'd come to, they'd come out of Judaism, the law, they'd come out of the scrolls, all that they'd known out of all their life, and now they'd seen a manifestation that was the epitome of all the law, that it was the epitome of all the prophets, and what a glorious time to be living. And this is equally a glorious time. This is a wonderful time to be living. So I'm going to just, I'm saying all of that to just get you into where I'm going, to get you in the channel. So now that the wheels are all moving the same way, let's just read from verse 1 of chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our, our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifest and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Amen. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Brother Dan, I'll just ask you to stay at that place, if you will, for a moment. I, I'm, I'm mixing up some of my, my notes to you, but that's okay. I want to really follow the Lord. And he's really the one who's the preacher. He's really the one who's leading the service. We just want to catch where he's moving and going. God bless you. It's good to see you all this morning, and, uh, and we're, we're happy to be Christians in this hour that we live in. It's the grandest of all the ages. It's, it's the, as I think it was Charles Dickens in his novel would say, uh, he would start this, this great novel that he wrote in his opening scriptures, opening scripture, his opening words. It wasn't a scripture. His opening words was, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And we can focus on the worst of times, or we can focus on the best of times. And I want to focus on the best of times this morning, but we want to draw a contrast as we do that. So uh, I'm going to ask you to stay in, in 1 John. I'm going to read a little further. So John is now reiterating what he'd seen, what he'd heard. He's talking about a life that was manifested, which we saw, and it was eternal life, in an earthen vessel, and, he's, and he immediately goes into the thought of fellowship. And he says, then this we're declaring that you may also have a fellowship. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, he goes on to say in verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare 
unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Now that is with the eternal spirit of God, with the others that are born of the same spirit. But it says also, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's where I want to walk. I don't want to walk in just a religious form this morning, but I want to walk where I know I have fellowship with God. I want to walk today, not in a form, not to appease my conscience, but I want to walk with Him. I want to walk like Enoch walked, to walk with Him into eternal life. And that's where we're desiring this morning. Go with me over to 1 John chapter 4. As beautiful as all of this is, John also picks this up. And now remember, he's, he's seen Jesus die and pass off, and, and, and he's been there, and, and he's, he's gone to an isle of Patmos, and, 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 and he's a scribe writing what, the only book that Jesus authored. But he's also writing this personally to the church. And I love how Brother Branham would do that sometimes. He would, he would talk and he would preach the message, but then he would just say, now I'm saying this to you, to my children, to my beloved, to my offspring, to those, to those who, who have the same love that I have. He begins to be personal with them. And he begins to tell them, and just like Jesus, as John laid his lap, his head in the lap of Jesus, and Jesus whispered things to him, I believe the Spirit of God has whispered things to us. Secrets that those who would desire to know are listening for. And I, I, I desire that kind of a fellowship with, with the Lord. I don't just want to be, you know, the, those that went to the Sermon of the Mount. There was, there was many that were on the Sermon of the Mount. There was many that were maybe at the base of the Mount. But there were some that were sitting close, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, I, I, I want to take my place, wherever that may be, but I want to be as close as God has, wants me to be. So, now John, is, is, as he's saying all of this, he, he paints a slightly different picture here. And he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. My, I thought this was the pure word of God. But he's, he's saying, and, and, I, and I'm going to just tie this in a little bit with where we were at last week, because that's where I'm going. Remember, whenever God is there, Satan is there. It was that way in heaven. It was that way in the Garden of Eden. It was that way when Jesus was on earth. And it's that way today. Whenever God moves, Satan is right there. So what are we doing? Are we saying, oh, we've we got to be fearful. No, we don't need to be fearful. God has made us more than overcomers. So he just says, don't believe every spirit. He says in verse 2, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not 
that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you should have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if I can read this little part, just turn over a couple of pages to the book of Jude in verse 3. And I read this last Sunday as well. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So this will be the second service in, I don't know how many will take on this thought, but it's on organized religion versus manifested life. And last week we spoke on true worship and fellowship as a subtitle. I really didn't get to it uh, fully, and I'm continuing on that part today. So just stay with me and we'll, we'll go through this. So here's this picture that John paints in the early church. And, and imagine what it may have been to him. Maybe he grew up all his life and, and he had known the scrolls. He'd been taught by his parents. He'd, be, he'd, he'd, he'd know all of this. But along the way, something came in his life and it became a personal touch, not with just knowledge, not with just emotion, but it became eternal life that passed by his way. And he became a partaker, and he witnessed it, and he watched it, and, and he saw the, the glory of it. And, 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 he, and I don't know what all went through him, but, but he sat at a great place, a great junction, Friends, we're sitting at the same kind of a junction today. We are witnessing things. And, and if we really want to have our, our, our ears open, not naturally, spiritually. And we want to have our eyes open because the message is not stagnant. As, I, as we took it last week, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's not just coming to a certain place, a certain knowledge, but the message is moving. The message is never stagnant, and we need to look at it. Don't ever get comfortable saying, I've read that book, and I'm done with it. You can pick it up again, and it's light upon light under the seventh seal. It's like a candle burst and another candle burst, and it keeps exploding. Oh, it's glorious when we're in, the, in that channel. But if we're in this channel that the devil would say, yeah, you heard that, you heard this, uh, and oh, do I have to read that? You know, could you imagine going with... A lady, a young girl, if, you're, if you weren't, and Brother Branham would bring this this way, he says, and, and say, I, I, I want to get together. He says, well, I'm just busy. I need to wash my hair tonight. I mean, wow, that would be a letdown. I just want to be with you. And, that's, and that would be the attitude. 
God desires fellowship more than we desire it sometimes. He wants our fellowship. He wants to permeate our being. He wants to, and, and, and in the message, oneness, Brother Adam would say, I'm convinced, friends, that, that we, have, we have received so much of God, but there's so much more. And he says he wants to permeate your whole being, your whole fiber, your everything. Oh, it's wonderful when you see it's not just a church life, but when you see it, it, it goes into every facet of your life. It's in your daily morning when you wake up. It's in your job. It's in the people you meet. It's in your thought life. It's in every part. That's walking and living with God. That's the fellowship we desire. So anyway, John, he'd, he'd seen all of this. He saw history disappear in the reality of what was before him. And as he heard it, it was real. He would say that life was manifest. It was a fellowship. And there was a purity, and there was a liberty, and there was a freedom. And, and Brother Branham would begin to talk about it, and he would talk a little bit about that, that first age. And, and the Bible actually talks about it in the Ephesian age. And, and it says in the Ephesian age, they had a first love. And it was glorious, and it was wonderful. And I, and I, and I want to just look at that this morning. If you've been born of the Spirit of God, remember the first love when God came to you, when he was real to you. Don't ever lose that first love. That was how that first age fell. But he would talk about it, and, and he would say that first love, it was glorious, it was wonderful. You know, if you've ever been born of that, you can never get away from that. The natural man might settle in, but I'll say that spirit man hungers and yearns for that walk with God. Brother Bannon would say this in fellowship. He, in, in the way to have fellowship, he'd say, if, now he says, I want to pick up fellowship. And he says, Christian fellowship, that's why we've come. We to fellowship around this word. Every person desires fellowship. I've never yet seen anyone who did not desire fellowship. That is all right, he says. Now, and he says, now, a man that has the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when he feels the Spirit of God is operating right and blessing him, giving him the deep things he desires in the love that he desires of God to fellowship, to walk with him. That's, that's what we're, we're talking about. There's times when you walk, it feels like it's a drudgery. You're, you're, but you're trying to get into that place because when you're in that place, oh, things disappear. A brother, was, brother and I were talking here this last week, and he was telling me, he says, you know, he says, if, if, I, if I look at politics too long, or if I look at the regulations too long, or vaccines, or things that they're doing, he says, it gets me upset. But he says, when I'm in fellowship with God, those things just seem to disappear. They don't matter as much as they used to matter. But it's when I'm in that place with him, that's the place I want to be. So, so he says, that's the fellowship. Brother Branham would say, oh, nothing could stop our, Paul would say, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's, where's your victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Death and the grave could not scare that old apostle. He had fellowship with Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Now, as we just move this along, 
in the midst of all of this, this great thing, John begins to talk, and as we read in 1 John chapter 5, he talks about fellowship and, and the basis of fellowship, which is the blood, and, and, he, and he gets into that a little bit, and, and he says, but he would, he would begin to, to just see the, by the basis of the pure Holy Spirit that there was another spirit that was moving. There was another spirit. Let me, let me read something to you. This, this was, well, let me, I'll hold on to it. I'm, I, I'm, let me come to it properly. So, so John began to see this, and, and he began to see, as Brother Branham would, would say in 1964, going beyond the camp, he said, as I cross the land, as I look at the churches, as I look at the people in the churches, I'm convinced of something, he says, that people are not getting to Christ. Now that was what the Spirit in him said. Now, there, there is an, an intellectual part of us that will tell us you're doing okay, you're in the message, you're in the right church, you're at the right thing, but there's a subconscious that has to line up with that. The subconscious man is, is the man that you need to listen to, not the, the, the flesh man, the head knowledge, because that part will deceive you. But in your subconscious, why do you hunger? Why do you thirst? It's God trying to get these mysteries to you. I need your help this morning. If you enter in, we, I, I believe we can have a great time with the Lord. I don't want this to be me just preaching. I want it to be us working in the channel of the Holy Spirit this morning. So, so this fellowship that, that, that John was desiring and he began to see another spirit and he would say in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, talking about the blood that cleanses, but he'd say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now he's, he's, he's making it kind of clear, and I'm, I'm going to come to some things, but he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So the manifestation, as I said last week, I said, you know, we know that the message, and we, we can make these terms, and I need to make this relevant, because it's so easy for us to, distinct, to make distinctions by geography. We're under this roof. We're in a message church where the true message of the hour is, therefore, I'm in fellowship. No, that's not enough. It's not enough to come under this building. It's not enough to have your name on the church directory. It's not enough to be here at the appointed time. But it needs to be an entering in to fellowship with God. An entering in where the peace of God resonates back in you. Not just a knowledge, but it, it goes deeper than that. I, I come to church every, every time and I say, Lord, give me something. And I trust that's in you this morning. Lord, I want to know that you're there. I want to feel that tug of that kite. I want to know where I stand with you. It's not where I stood years ago, but it's where I'm standing today with you. I want the reality of that God in me. Now, he, he will 
John, as he's talking this way, now, you can really take your time if you want to read the book of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, but I'm going to pick up a little bit of that. So in 1 John chapter 2, now John's just starting to go, and, and he's trying to make a distinction between two spirits that he sees operating. And we're talking about uh, organized religion versus a manifested life. And as you take the message, how can I overcome? Brother Branham would say, it's so easy to slip into an organized life. It's so easy. I'm, 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 really, I'm really trying to hold back much, and I need to go to the roots of this, and I'm going to take a little bit of time on this this morning and go back a little further. Verse 8, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he's in light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. So the, the end result, because the message we know will not denominate. The written word Satan has access to the written word and he can take it and he can spin it and twist it in the heart of somebody. But in the heart of a true believer, it will never denominate. That's, that's, that's really where I'm getting to. Is he has access to the written word. Can I, I, I'll have to read this. Joseph meeting his brethren. Now notice in the Garden of Eden now, as soon as God seen the seed of the woman, how they'd been misconstrued there, and how righteousness had been perverted, God gave them a promise that the woman would be a blessed seed, would come out, that through the woman would come a blessed seed. You get it? There would be a seed. Now listen to this. And as soon as Satan heard that, who was standing present, as soon as he heard that, he took it in himself to destroy that seed. And it started right after that at Cain and Abel. It started with Joseph and his brethren. It started all the way down through history. And he's still trying to do that today. He's after that spoken, written word. He's there to diminish it. He's there to minimize it, to make it of none effect. But we're here to say every word of God is true. Every word. I stand on that. I'm not here just to put it on a shelf and say that's what I believe. No, I'm here to apply it to my heart. I'm here to stand on it in the face of every enemy. Every lying spirit that comes against us. It comes from hell. And it comes against us. But we're here to say what that first Eve did not say. God's word will not fail. So as soon as Satan heard that, he tried to destroy that seed. He's still against that blessed seed. Now, so John is saying... So Satan can go against the written word and try to pervert it, but he cannot touch the manifested life. Brother Branham often would say it. 
What you need in this hour is the token. And the token is the blood. What does the blood represent? The life that was in it. So it's not enough to say, I've got the written word. It's not enough to say that. The written word has to come in here. Friends, I'm, I, I don't want to listen. I, I'm, I'm like Paul. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like the messenger of the hour. Paul would say in, in, in the book of Acts, and, and he's about to leave the church, and he's saying, I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of God. I'm not here to just build tombs around the message. I'm not here to dress it up. I'm here to apply the message. I'm here to say it lives in a people today. It will not denominate. Where will it not denominate? In a group of people called the bride. That's what I'm standing on. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And, let, and Paul would say, don't let my blood be upon you. Paul says, I have not shunned to declare. And his next word he said, for I know that after my coming, you can read it, Acts chapter 20, verse 27. I know that after my departing, grievous wolves will slip in. Spirits would come amongst the message. Spirits that will come and say, you've been baptized? You're in the church, it's all good. You're all good, you're, you're fine now. No, you're not fine until you have the life, the manifested life in you. That's what it takes. We're not here to give platitudes today. We're here to apply the blood today. I, mean, I gotta slow down. I'm just saying what's on my heart. Now, John says here, he that says he's in the light and he hates his brother, he's in darkness. You could say I have the message, but if it's not living itself out, you're in darkness. It's not knowledge, it's life. I'm sorry if this is cutting, but I'm just saying, I'm not here to condemn anyone. There's areas of all of us that we need to grow into, and I want to give room for that to grow. But I don't want us to camp down. I want us to step up. I want us to go a little higher. In, in, in the message, and, and it was in how I can overcome, and I've really been in that. And Brother Bannon would say, this is the age of the personal life. This is, this is I want to see the church take a step higher. He preaches, how can I overcome? Perfect faith. He preaches these messages after the seals because he says it's, it's the age we're living in. I don't want to go in circles of past ages. I want to move forward with the life as it's moving in the Word today. Okay, I I'm, I'm, feel like I'm yelling and I don't want to yell. I'm, I'm wanna, I want us to move together. I'm not here to be angry. I'm, I'm here to say, my brother, my sister, let's, let's pick it up. Let's, let's move together. Let's, let's not dwell we've been, where we've been dwelling. We can see the world getting worse. We want to get higher. And these promises are there for us. So he says, he that loves his brother and abides in the light, there is no occasion of stumbling in him. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whither he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. 
I write unto you, little children. I love the terminology. Because your sins are for you, given you for his sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him. That is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him which is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. This is John speaking to the first church, the Ephesian church age. And I, I would say, this age that we live in is to pick up where that age fell off. The only difference is we're going to finish where they fell off. So there has to be a first love. There has to be a true light. We are not just like another church. We are the life of God for this age. We are the light of God in this age. There is darkness all around. That's not just a boast of man. That's the life of God that's speaking out in us. He drops down to verse 18. Little children, it's the last time. You've heard that the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby you know it is the last time. He says this verse, and I, I want to bring clarity to this over the next service, if not today. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they may be made manifest that they were not all of us. You've got to be careful with how you use that. I, and I, I don't have the time right now to go into it. Verse 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Uh, let, me, let me see how far I want to take this here. Let's go to verse 24. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain on you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you all things and is a truth and is no lie, and even it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Now, there's, there's a balance in all of these scriptures. You know, while somebody says, well, I don't need any teachers. Why did the Bible say we need teachers? We need teachers. But we need to recognize the anointing that is on a teaching gift. And, and we need not just to take the words of a man, but we need the anointing to teach us through the vessel that God is leading us in. Okay, I, I need to move into where really the crux of my thought is this morning. 1 John 3, let's just start in verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. You can say, well, how, how can that be, Brother Ed? Because I believe when you're in Christ, you're in the body. When you're, you're baptized, you're baptized into the body. And I'm not just talking water baptism only, but I'm talking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's, it's water, it's blood, and it's spirit. It's not water only. 
We love to see our children come to the baptism, but we don't want to stop there. And I'm here this morning, if you've been baptized and you've just settled in and you're comfortable with that, that's not enough this morning. And if I can, I want to prick you a little bit this morning and say, go a little further. Don't stay there because you can denominate on that. And as parents, we can get comfortable just to have our children sitting in the pew beside us. Just to have them be baptized. Oh, it's all okay. No, it's not okay. We need to teach them that they need Christ. They need to know and experience Him. It's not enough to say I'm part of this. It has to identify in you. I thought of the messengers of our of our age, of, of, of the ages past. And I thought how they all had to come to a place. It was Martin Luther who would say, you know, he, he was a monk. He was, he was in the cloister. He was trying to serve God in his flesh. But he came to a place and he couldn't get satisfaction. And he finally comes to a place and he, the scriptures open to him. And he says, Romans chapter 5. And he declares it. He says, a great light came in upon me. The righteousness that I was trying to portray, he says, it wasn't that. It was by grace that he came, and it's his righteousness. And he said it released him. It was John Wesley who was a Moravian and who, who tried to, no, it was John Wesley who, who was in the organized church of the day. And he, he went overseas and he met some Moravians. And when he met these Moravians, he saw they had something that he didn't have. This was an ordained messenger, but he had to come to a place. And no matter if you're in the message, you're in the right place, you're in the right church, but you yourself need to come to the right place. And it was Wesley who would come to a place and he would, he would say, and he says, and I was, as he was thinking on, he was on the ocean voyage, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. And when it was strangely warmed, from that moment on, he was never the same. Oh, I thank God. He's real. We are not of Pentecost, the past age, but the Pentecostal experience has never left the church. The true Spirit of God, the true baptism of the Holy Spirit. So John is writing, where did I finish off? On verse 6. Verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous, he that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let me read yet. I'm getting just to the point I want to get to. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he's born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loveth his brother. Okay, now we're going to really from here on. Verse 11, this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. 
Brother Branham makes a commentary. He said, Cain was actually a more religious man than Abel was. And yet the Bible says Cain's works were evil. If you and I would look at it with natural eyes and we would look at the offering that he brought and we would look at the things that he did, we would say, my, that's beautiful. But that's not the way God looks at it. So no matter what we offer him today, we need to come his provided way. Oh, Lord Jesus, let me have fellowship with you this day, this morning, this, this 2022, this February the 6th, wherever we are, let me have fellowship with the one who has always existed, who always will, the one I'm going to be in eternity with. Let me be found in you this morning. Verse 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in you. So it's coming down to a manifestation. It's not coming down to an intellectual knowledge. Okay, Hebrews 11. This is where... We left off last week, Hebrews 11. This is really talking about faith. And if I can say it, faith is the medium whereby we contact God. Okay, so Paul would write, we know this very well. Verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How do I know I'm saved this morning? I can't prove it, but I believe it, and I know it, and I live it. My works prove it. How do I know that I love him? Do I come to church this morning that I might gain acceptance with him? Or have I come to church this morning because I love him? I've come with a ladder. I, I don't want to just come to, to prove who I am by my attendance. That, that's part of it. That's my obligation. That's my duty. But it's greater than that with the bride. I'm here this morning because I love you, Lord. And I want to worship you. And you mean everything to me. So he would say, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which, were not, which were, are seen are not made of things which do appear. Now we're going to come into Cain and Abel in a minute here. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Now that you can characterize Cain's sacrifice was nice, but it was religious. It was with the wrong motivation. It was devoid of revelation. Okay? We'll, we'll come to it. So, but, but Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Not as pretty. Not as, as pleasing to the eye. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So he was righteous before he ever offered the sacrifice. The sacrifice was an extension of his righteousness. It wasn't that because he offered this, he became righteous. No, he always was righteous. 
But the, the, the witness was in the sacrifice. God testifying of his gifts, for by it he being dead yet speaketh. Verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that, them that diligently seek him. Amen. Now, I want to go to the book of Genesis just in a moment. But I'm, I'm going to just make a couple of statements here. And, and it's just regarding an organizational life. Now, we, we played the tape why we are not a denomination. And it's very easy to say, okay, we're not a denomination, but do denominational spirits affect us? Absolutely they can. Is the, did the Antichrist spirit come into the first church age? Absolutely it did. And it began to manifest, but we're here in this day to root that out, to cast it out and say, we don't want that in our midst. We want God to have free course. We want him to have the liberty. We want him to have the right of way in every heart, in every life, not just the preacher, but in everyone that attends here. So he says, we've got, or is your life worthy? We've got to follow every day, every hour of the day, every step of the day. We've got to be led by the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't, we take an organizational life. <laughs> Lord, help us. And a life that does not follow Christ daily is not worthy. Five definite identifications of the true church. An antichrist spirit tries to take a people and call them from organization, organizing them together, which was never the will of God. It isn't the people in there I'm striking at. It's the dominating spirit that makes the people think we are the people. And it's very easy. You can sit in this church and you can say, there's no message like this. This is the greatest message. And, 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 and you're sitting under that and say, wow, this is great. I'm glad I'm here. But are you in the message? Is the message in you? Okay, this is the question to ask this morning. These are, these are simple, basic questions. I don't want you to look at who's in the pew beside you, if it's mom or dad or brother or sister or whoever it is. I want you to ask this honestly before God this morning. Am I walking in the life? I, 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 and I, I'm, I'm trying to not, I'm not preaching this to churches down the street or across the city. I'm preaching this to us this morning. Because we have need to hear it, to see it, to identify the spirit that would try to get a hold of us, try to come in our midst, and we want to root that out, and we want God to have his way. So I'm, I'm going to put a thing before you. Ever since I was, I've been now serving God in this message, and you can serve God before you come to this message. You can be born of God, but if you're born of God, it will lead you into the manifest truth of the hour. And there are people that we know, and I, I'm going I'm I'm to make this really plain. You know and I know people that are in organization, but they live a genuine life and they have a genuine heart, and you can identify with what they do. I know some people that are not even Christian. And their heart is pure before God. 
And they will have an opportunity, if not in this life, yet they will have an opportunity. This is, a, this is way down the road in a message, but they will have an opportunity. Why, why did Brother Branham, when he was on a hunting trip with Brother Sidney Jackson in 1965, they were driving at night, going in a Jeep, and they saw some fires and some lights, and, and, and there was a fire and there were some natives dancing around the fire. And Brother Branham stops, and he says to Brother Sidney Jackson, stop the Jeep. And he goes out of the Jeep, and he starts dancing around the fire with them. And he comes back to the Jeep, and he's thinking, oh my goodness, he doesn't know church order. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Brother Branham looks, and he says, they were worshiping the one true God. Now, I think we're, we ought to mature enough not just to draw lines. We know that denominations are of God, aren't of God. But there's people in there that might have the seed of God in them. Lord, help us not to be so religious that we can't reach out and recognize what's in there with someone. Help us, Lord, to be Christians. But I, I come out and I'm thankful. When I was young and I grew up in this message, I read a prophet visit South Africa. I, I read those stories as a young boy. And then I went out. I was rebellious. I went out my own ways. But when God called me back, it wasn't just to the church mom went or the church dad went to. But it was because there was a seed in me that was desiring truth. And that was the basis I approached God. I said, I don't want mom's religion. I don't want dad's. I want the truth. I want the God of all truth. And there's a saying that sometimes comes out. And we take it, and I don't want to condemn anybody this morning. I, I, there's a very fine line here. Because there's a truth to this, but there's a negative side to this. But a saying I often heard when did you come into the message? As if just to walk through a door was enough. That, that isn't enough. I'm sorry. I am glad I had some elders around me that taught me, you need to pray through. You need to not just have an experience, but you need to experience God. In your heart, you need an absolute that will tell you that you have come to a place with God, that He is your God, and you will walk with Him. And we live in a most difficult time because we are like the early Ephesian church age. And Brother Branham would, would say this, in the church age message under the Ephesian church, I have something against you because you've left your first love. I, I don't want to read this whole quote, but he would just say, what you need to recognize when you read this, this message was to the entire age, 120 years. You, if you want to take it, and, and which he said lasted about 120 because said that one time and said, it's actually 117. Okay, I got it. I understand, I'm just verbalizing. He said, the message was not to one generation, but to every generation in that whole span. So I'm saying, the message that you're following is not your mom or dad's message. Get that, let's get that out of our mind. 
You're in the right place. God bless you. Thank God for your mom and dad. God gave you your mom and dad to bring you to this place. But it isn't enough. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a couple of scenes. This isn't just on, but, but we have a generations that have grown up and they've, all they've heard all their life is, this is the message, this is the truth, just do this, just obey that, just dress right, make sure your hair is that length, make sure it's that. These are all good things. These are all a form. They're all a part of what we need to do. It's a part of parents being a child's Holy Ghost until they come to a certain age. Now, Brother Branham would say, if you take Israel as a type what was a fire that burned brightly began to decrease and diminish until you come down to the last age. It's just a little ember. That was the first age. This is not spoken of this age. And I'm saying, I'm here to say, if, those are, if, we've, if we've diminished in our light, let's let the fire burn again. Let it come forth again. Let the life be manifested. Let's not repeat platitudes. Let's be the life of God. Let your children see that you mean business with God. Let them see you commit your life to God. He says, it's a manifestation of the truth that God has no grandchildren. Salvation is not passed on by natural birth. It isn't the word, in the word. You start with truly born again believers. The next generation comes along. They are no longer just plain Christians. They now have a denominational name. And they're now Baptists, Methodists. This is exactly what they are. They're not Christians. Now, he's identifying a spirit that was in the early age. Now, why are, why are all these things? These are examples for us. If that's where they fell, where can we run the risk of falling when we begin to take on an organizational life? The fervent desire to please God, the passion to know His Word, the cry for reaching out in the Spirit all begins to fade. And instead of the church being on fire, the fire of God has cooled off and become a bit formal. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message to say, I thank God for everything we have in this church. I thank God for the musicians that have the Spirit of God. I thank God for those that pray. I thank God for the families that are here. But I'm just saying, let's not stop on that. Let's go a little higher. Are you with me on this this morning? Say, yes, Brother Ed, I want to move on. I don't want to just settle down. I don't want to just be waiting on God to do something. God does nothing outside of man, his agent. God needs people to be vessels. God's program cannot work without you or I. That's the word of God. Now, oh, there's so much I could read of this, I'm going to save some of it. I want to read this, because I'm, I'm going to take this as a, just a little scene or a story if I can. There's a young child born in a family that attends end-time message tabernacle, or whatever church we come from. They grew up, they've been taught right all their life. If parents have been taught right, They've been followed. They actually even went as far as making a step in the tank. They're baptized. 
and they've done all of this all their life. They're eight, nine, ten years old, and this is all they knew. They have a pure conscience. They have a message conscience. They know I wouldn't dare do that. I, I remember my son, he was probably about ten years old. He was in, in, uh, in, high, in, in elementary school, and we had met with the teacher and said, well, listen, our son doesn't participate in this or this or this. Okay, I understand. Well, so happens one day I drop him off at school and there's a substitute teacher. And they had a rally at the gym. And then the gym, the whole, all the classes were going to come in. And, and they were going to come in and they're going to come in and they're dancing. They're supposed to, to, to do something to the sound of, of, a, uh, of a rock group called I Will Rock You Live, whatever. I don't even want to say it because you might know it and you might be in your head now. But in any, and so, and my son go, goes up to the teacher. He says, I, I don't think I can do that. And, and, and the teacher says, well, as a substitute teacher, well, why not? He says, because my mom wouldn't want me to. That's a good thing. They're taught right. And then the teacher says, no, it'll be okay. Your mom, your, your mom will be behind. He says, you don't know my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, you know, we actually had to say, I thank God for that. But now, 10, 11, 12 years old. Now listen to what Brother Branham says in Christ Revealed in His Own Word. When you are born, God sets a record on. It doesn't make much noise for a little while, you know. That's a little baby until it comes to accountability. Then the noise starts. Now listen, I, I know many of you don't know what a record player is. Many of you don't even know what an 8-track is or a cassette is. But I'll say, I've lived through all of those. And I'll say, Brother Branham's talking, there's, there's this thing spinning. The needle is on, but it's not making any noise yet. You know how you sometimes, you don't know. Some of you do know. So if you don't know, just nod your head like you're with me. If you do know, don't nod your head because you're identifying yourself and your age. But you know, you, you'd start it and, and, and the song wouldn't start until, you know, it might go on three, four, five times around before it kicks in. And then when a song finished, then there was another blank space and nothing would happen. But when you're born, Brother M says, up from the age of zero to about 12... There's no noise. He says, but now the noise starts and it starts saying things and doing things he has to answer for. And when the life ends, that record or tape is took off and laid in the great big library of God. Now, how are you going to get around it at the judgment bar when it's played before you and every move, every thought that went through your mind, can you see that? So now the record is there. That which you're doing and you're becoming accountable for. You're, you're, you're still doing the same things that you always did. Come to church, doing the right things. But now you're accountable. And now the little lies, the little thoughts, the things that come out, the, remember the word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents. Now you become accountable for those. Now you, you can't plead ignorance anymore. The record is there. There's only one thing that will wipe that noise off the record. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It has to be applied. 
It's not just an outward form. Now, I've, I've gone way down the road, and I need to really get to Genesis. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. <laughs> now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman. Now remember the quote I read earlier. Satan was there. He heard it. Now he said unto the woman, Hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Satan is really good at repeating the word of God. But somewhere he just wants to spin it to get us off. Now, so he says this, it doesn't give us any dialogue where Adam told Eve that you can't eat of the tree, you can't do, it, it actually says in, in chapter 2 uh, that, that there's, there's, there's the two trees, and the Lord says in verse 16, you shall, but, he, but we don't see anywhere that Adam is telling Eve. Okay, so now to verse, we know that Satan went through this whole dialogue and began to reason with her, began to do all of these things, and then... Um, he began to finally tempt her, the three temptations. Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sowed, so they knew they were naked, so sin causes you to be aware of your nakedness. And the last church age was a church age very religious, and the people were blind and wretched and naked and didn't know it. Why? Because they were under a religious voice, but only the voice will let you know where you're wrong. It may not be a preacher's voice. It may come through a preacher's voice, but it's God's voice to you personally. And it says, so they knew they were naked, the next thing, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So this is where we really were. Now, in the message, conferences, Brother Ram says, oh, the tremendous time we're living in, when men are told of their er error, instead of trying to come back and say, Father, I'm wrong, forgive me, they still hide behind fig leaves. Fig leaves is what they sewed together themselves. The word religion means a covering, and they try to make themselves a handmade covering. So, I, I want to just, this is very simple and maybe very plain. Now, technically, they were covered. The fig leaves covered an area. But when the voice of God came in the next verse, they hid themselves from the presence of God from fellowship. So before this, they had fellowship. God would come down in the cool of the evening. It was oneness between man and God. But now something came through and broke the fellowship. And they immediately became religious. And they immediately tried to, to, to deal with this on their own merit. Now, I, I really, I was thinking about this, uh, and, and I really began to look at this. First of all, let me just say this. 
God is a God of judgment. What he said in Genesis chapter 2, when he said, you shall not eat of this tree, God meant that. In the day that you eat thereof, that's the day that you die. So when God said that in the beginning, God can't go back on his word. He's God. He, he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny his word. And, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a prophet's voice comes in this last day and he says, if God lets this generation get by with the sins of today, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah and raise them up. So the things you see going on around us and you see the casual attitude towards God and, and listen, the, the whole world systems are coming together where it's the idea of one God and one people and, and it's just like Genesis 11 and all the earth was under one thing. No, it's not under one thing. There's one God, one way, one door, only one way of salvation. It's not a universal God. Don't let the devil water that down. Don't even come to the message and say, well, I, you know, I, I made it by this service or that service. One day the service will be played back. I'm, if, if I'm, I am like Paul, don't let my preaching, don't let me just say, you're all right, you're doing okay. Listen, I, I'm here. If, you're not, if you are doing all right, you ought to just rejoice. You ought to say, thank God, I'm in the faith. And if you're not, or you know somebody who's not, there's a part of you that's constantly reaching out. Lord, help them. Help them to come up. Help those that are weak. Lord, those that aren't where they should be. That's a part of us. Now, he, he, would, he would just say, God is a God of judgment. Sin must be judged. So when they made fig leaves, what were they doing? They were trying to avoid judgment. They were trying to, to pacify a voice with inside. They were trying to do something that they thought would appease a righteous God. There's nothing that would appease Him. And while they had religion... And as we declared last week, they could look at one another. You know, is your fig leaf on right, Adam? Yeah, it's on right. Is yours okay, Eve? Yeah, it's okay. All right, let's go to church. We're going to be okay. But when they came to church and the voice of God spoke, they hid themselves. What was the end result of their religion? It did not bring them into fellowship. It did, it, in fact, it caused them to run from God. So a man-made religion will not bring you into fellowship. It will actually cause you to run from it or avoid it or become more religious. There's nothing worse than a religious spirit. God help us. And he would say, so they, they hid themselves. And, and when God spoke to him, he said, Adam, where are you? He said, I heard your voice. I was afraid because I was naked. Now man will do a lot of things to, to, to bring a religious element into, into their, try to bring it with God. But you have to look at what brings you back into fellowship. Where can you actually say, well, listen, friends, I, I had too many late nights where I did things I shouldn't have done. And I'm not here to glorify those things. I've had times, even since I started serving God, where I've had some things and I thought, oh, God, how can you put up with me? But I'll tell you what, there's still a place that I can come to, that I can kneel before an altar, 
And Lord, I was wrong. I'm not going to try and cover it up. And there's a place where I can pour my guilt out before God, and there's something that can come back and say, there's a sacrifice. We can have fellowship again. Friends, if, if, if what you've got religion is not bringing you into a relationship, you need to go back and examine it. If it's just do's and don'ts, if it's not a walk with God, I'm saying this to encourage you. I'm not saying this to condemn you this morning. I, I want to be brutally honest, but I also want to say there's hope. There's a way. There's a place you can come to. And, and he says, so here's man running from judgment, avoiding it, trying to cover it, trying to prevent it. Man will do a lot of things. They'll light a candle. They'll, 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 they'll pay an offering, a big offering. Lord, look what I've done. And Jesus will say, I never even knew you. They might even join a church. They might even come into a message church. But that's not fellowship yet. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just really needing to go a little further here. There, there's, there's so many things I, I really would want to do. God will never meet with anyone nowhere else but under the blood. When you turn the blood down, then your meeting place with God has been taken away. God made his first decision in the Garden of Eden that man could only worship him under the shed blood of the sacrifice. That's the only place that God met with man then. That's the only place he ever meets with him yet. You can repeat, and I, I, I don't know if I'll say it just right, but in the message, I think it's rising of the sun. Satan doesn't care how correct you are in your doctrine, how righteous your life may be, if you, how righteous your, your walk may be, but if you miss that life, that's what he's trying to stop you from. I, I just say, Lord, let there be evident fruit that I have my sacrifice, that, that my life has been accepted because in you, I am, I, I've got fellowship. The only place he meets man today is under the blood of the, the sacrifice. That's the reason you don't see things happening. This goes down to denominational life. That's the reason that you don't see things happening in the churches. They confess that they believe the blood, but they reject the very plan to get the blood, the word. There is only one way God will honor the word. And he says, not because I'm Roman Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal. The only way you can do under the mercies of God is to come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we're guilty, I, I'm saying as, as a minister, because we're, we're under the blood, we're, we're walking, and we're looking for the fullness and the manifestation, and, 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 and we're pushing that out there. But I'm, I'm backing up a step. I need to preach the full counsel. Because there's some that, that if, they're, if we're not careful, they just walk in there without a blood covering. And I, I say, friends, let something inside of you take you over. That you've met him and you know it. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you this morning. If, if you, don't, you don't have to come in front of the church, you don't have to do anything. But if you're just honest with God in your seat... And say, Lord, I've got to face you one day. I'm not going to face Ed Hammermeister. I'm not going to face Harold Hildebrand. I'm not going to face William Branham. I've got to face you. And I've got to face you. I want to face you now. 
And if you don't have to do it in this church, I'll say this. If you ever need and you want, I'll pray with you. You come to me. We have prayer meetings here. We'll pray with you. If it's not me, come to another brother, somebody you have confidence in, and you tell them, I'm not sure where I am with God, but I want to know that I know that I know. I want to have this assurance. I want to have fellowship. I want to have this peace. I can't be. I, I'm, I'm over the age of accountability. There's noise on my record. I need the blood. I'd say it. It's open. It's open. Come and approach us anytime. You can come up in a service. You can come anytime you want. I'll say this. I want that door open. I want everybody to come into that ark. If you come to your mom and dad, pray with them. Talk with somebody that you've got confidence in. I believe God will hear an honest heart. Oh my. Genesis 3 verse 21. And the Lord called... Sorry. Genesis 3:21 And unto Adam and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord said, Behold, a man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Lest and now lest he put forth his hand and eat and take so take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was shake, taken and he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, God made a remedy in the message fellowship, 1960. When God saw that his children had sinned and gone from him, God himself, who is the supreme judge, made a reconciliation that he could restore fellowship to his creatures by the shed blood of an animal. And that shed blood lasted for many years, speaking of the coming of Christ. Super sign. Adam tried to make a super religion without an atonement. They're still trying to do it. A super religion, make a religion that he could live any way he wanted to without an atonement. God's provided way was an atonement. It'll never work any other way. What is an atonement? That means it's a reparation for wrong. It's a reconciliation of God himself. And it's a cleansing of impurity. That's reconciliation. You can, you can actually live with peace, even though you did wrong. You know, there's going to be people on the day of judgment that were prostitutes, that were whoremongers, if you want to call it, that were drinkers, and, you know, whatever you want to call sin in this day, and they're going to stand spotless before God because they accepted His provided way. There'll be other people that were in church. There'll be people that will stand there without a covering because they took religion over, over what God's provided way was. I, I don't want that for anybody here. Brother Ed, why are you laboring? I, I didn't intend to go this way, but I, I got to follow what God's laid on my heart. Let's just take one more scripture and we're going to uh, go to Genesis 4. Genesis 4, verse 3. Now in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock 
and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, Brother Branham would, would talk about this a little bit, and he says, as a human being, you have to worship. You want to worship. And, and you see it out there in the world. They'll worship a hockey star. They'll worship somebody out there. They'll worship some sex goddess. They'll worship something. That's in every human being. And even in the religious realm, they desire to worship. So Cain was just following what was in his heart. He wanted to worship. Now just think about it. He, where did he go? He went to the east of the garden. He had that much knowledge, yet he had to go there. He went to the east of the garden. He knew he had to worship. He knew that's where God was. He knew all of these things. And yet he was still completely, it was all religion. Listen, listen how Brother Brandon puts it. Did you know Cain offered a good sacrifice? He was sincere. He built an altar. He knelt down. He worshiped. He prayed to God. Now, if that's all that God requires for you to belong to a church and have an altar, pay your tithes, and to live a, guy, a good life, if that's all he requires, he was unjust to condemn Cain. The religion means covering, and you can't be covered by your own good works. There's only one thing God will accept. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, in the meantime, there was another scene that was unfolding there. And here was Abel. And Abel, by something in his heart, he knew that he had sinned. He knew that he was, his parents had sinned. But he knew he himself that, that this wasn't God's way. And he knew the only way he'd come back, he had a genuine something. And in his heart, he, 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 he just took this lamb, this something that was precious to him, and he took this lamb and he drug it with a sharp stone, and he took that lamb up to the very place that Cain was, and he began to hack on it, and the life, and, and, he's, and he's weeping, and he's identifying, he doesn't know what he's doing. And God's looking down and saying, oh my, he's caught a revelation what was he catching a revelation? Of the lamb that was going to come. The God that was going to come. Not just the blood of bulls and goats. But the lamb of God that was going to be hacked. That was going to be beaten. That was going to take his place. When you can identify with your sacrifice. Listen, Cain was there and he was looking and he's saying, that's disgusting. And if we're not careful, we look in church. Somebody's weeping and crying. And I say this, don't ever, ever make fun of God dealing with somebody. And I would say, don't even look down on it. But you allow God to do his work. Because it may not be pretty, but it's God's dealing. And he's saying, Cain. Now, Eve was very religious, but she didn't believe the true word. Cain did the same thing. Cain couldn't believe that was right. God is holy. He's pure. He's beautiful. I'll make some flowers. I'll take the flowers. I'll make my great altar. I'll show my reverence. I'll get up. I'll bow down and worship him. He put flowers on the altar. You know, my mother and father eat some apples, some fruit in the Garden of Eden, and that's the thing that brought me out. Now I can go back. Why? It's too big of a cathedral. Now, God can't turn on my cathedral. It's too big. It's too pretty. It'll attract God's attention. Remember, Lucifer always looked for that which was pretty. So I, there, there's a whole quote here I could read, but if I can just wind my thoughts down this morning with this. 
I don't know what happened in the next verses, but really, if you look at it, God addresses, in verse 6, the Lord addresses Cain, why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? I'm going to give you away. Just do what your brother did. But the spirit that was on Cain would not allow that. Now, and I'll just conclude with this. I don't know what the dialogue was, but they were talking. And this is why it's not just the word, it's not just in intellect, but it's by revelation. And it was by revelation, and faith is a revelation. And somewhere in the dialogue between Abel and Cain, and Cain comes back to Abel and says, God told me just to do what you did. And he says, how did you come on this? How did you do this? Well, he says, I don't know. I was just dwelling on it, and God showed me in the garden. It wasn't an apple. It was, it was a sexual affair. It was blood, and, and God demands blood as a sacrifice. Oh, that's disgusting. And he says, and he says it wasn't... Eve was the womb, but there was two fathers. And, and, and I'm, I'm born of Adam, my father. And you know what else the Lord showed me? He showed me that you're not born of the same father I am. Go and read uh, John chapter 8 and Jesus' dialogue with the Pharisees. It's exactly that kind of a dialogue. And I'll say this, friends, it's by revelation Nothing is so great as revelation. Oh, if it's beyond you, cry out for it. Lord, reveal to me what pleases you. Let's have the musicians come. When we read about, you know, we can't do anything without pleasing God. What excites God? When somebody catches what he is going to do, which he did back, he hadn't done it yet, what he did and looks back. When they see not just the word, but the bleeding word. When they see God was in it back then. God was in it with Moses. God was in it when Jesus Christ was here. It's still the bleeding word today. He wants to fill every part of us. Listen, I, I don't know if I've really got this out the way I wanted to today. But I, I, I want this to be an encouragement, friends. Maybe, maybe, as I said, you were born in this church and you've gone through all these things but maybe as we were talking, there's something in you that says, ah, I don't really know. Then this is for you. You say, Brother Ed, uh, what, what can I do? Well, ask someone. We'll pray. Or, or go, come to God. Go whatever you need to do. But seek God for revelation. Listen, let me go step, play something softly, if you will, Sister Angie. You know, you can go a little further, not just to, to people that are born. Maybe you've attended this church. Maybe the fire burned brightly one time, but maybe it's not burning so brightly anymore. Maybe you've just slipped into, I attend the church, it's all okay, but are you really in fellowship? Does he mean everything to you? I know we can't all live up here on the mountain the whole time, but even if you're in the valley, I believe you can walk with him. If you've slipped into just a little bit lax, let's stand together. Brother Ed, have you ever done it? I've done it. I've not been as fervent sometimes. But I thank God that the Spirit of God still moves. I thank God He'll anoint a minister. I thank God He can put on a tape. He can prick my heart. And He'd say, walk with me. 
He's desiring fellowship. We desire worship, but we'll worship something. But I want to worship Him. He's my life. He's my everything. Maybe there's someone we know who once was in our midst and who's not in our midst anymore. And it's so easy to get religious and say, they weren't of us, therefore they, they left us. God help us. God deliver us from that spirit. You watch how Brother Branham allowed the Spirit of God to deal with his own son, Billy Paul. Billy Paul chose his own way. There was a man in the church one time, a young boy who had who'd gone out and done, was doing his own way, and a deacon came out and chastised him and said, what are you doing? And Brother Branham heard about it, and he chastised the deacon. He says, don't you do that. You allow God to deal with them. And you watch how God allowed it. So we commit them to God. We allow the Spirit of God to move. We have long patience. Sometimes you see somebody struggling. Don't look down on them. Pray with them. You know, I, 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 there's some people that have been on my heart for, for weeks, for months, for maybe even years. I've never let go. I, does it mean I'm faithful? No, the Spirit of God is faithful. And when I'm yielded in prayer, then He can move in prayer. Oh, friends, I desire to have a true worship, a true fellowship with God. Not just what, what, what brother, brother Ed would say in his religion, what, what we would say in our church religion, but what God deems as, as being real. I don't want to be organized. I want God to have His way. Do you desire that? Let's just sing, uh, He has forgiven me. He has forgiven me My sins have been washed From His memory By the blood of the Lamb On Calvary He And if it really is true and you really believe it, let's just really sing it unto him. He has forgiven me. My sins have been 